It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where our goal every week is to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. You guys know me. My name is Mike Bernard, and in the studio with me today, Josh Gregory, as usual, but... Joining us, special guest, Jamie Haig, if I'm pronouncing that right, attorney with Ledoux, Curran, and Keen. Yeah, that's right. Jamie is on the show with us today here to discuss how to structure your small business. And we're also going to hit other legal issues that you need to know about if you either are a small business owner or maybe someday hope to be. Once again, we're going to be hitting listener questions, your questions, uh, even a couple that are focused on small business and legal work and all of that that we're going to be tackling with Jamie. Wisemoneyradio.com is the website. You can submit a question there. You can get some information about the show, even listen to past episodes as well. You can also submit a question by calling the, the voicemail line, 574-222-2000. So, okay. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. Glad to have you here. So James M. Haig, am I? Is that right? That's correct. That's you right. Throw an Esquire at the end of there. Or <laughs> who gets to use that one? Uh, only you two uh, need to use that. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus the five listeners. Uh, so Jamie, just that's just, I'm just teasing. Jamie's a business attorney at Ledoux, Kern, and Keen. Uh, he advises clients or businesses in a variety of financial transactions and just general corporate matters. So, all right, Jamie, give us a little background about yourself family, where you went to school, all that sort of stuff. Well, I grew up outside of Seattle, and uh, I went to Notre Dame undergrad, uh, got married uh, right after graduation, and uh, went to law school at Notre Dame, and was uh, with a large firm in Seattle for nine years. So you went to Seattle after Notre Dame? Yes. Okay. And then you... Somehow yes, came back. Yes, yes. So I was there for uh, nine years, and uh, we ended up back in this area on what was intended to be a temporary basis while I was still working with that firm, and uh, we liked it. it this area worked uh, well for our family, and we decided to stay. And you have a big family. We were commenting on the way, and you drive a Mini Cooper, which is interesting <laughs> because you've got such a large family. Well, and I think you might be the tallest guy I've ever seen driving a Mini Cooper. So, it is it like the circus a little bit? Maybe do you get these comments off? A little bit, a little bit. We have uh, we have seven children, and uh, we have a uh, a one large van that uh, accommodates all of us, and then we have a uh, a Mini Cooper, which. Um, is uh, easier to fit out of uh, uh, Little League and soccer parking oh, there lots. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, and I think you made the comment that this way you can choose how many kids you take with you when you've got to run errands and things, Absolutely. Right? Limited capacity uh, is a good excuse to uh, <laughs> limit the number of children along. But, That's uh, awesome. Well, you know, as we were introducing the show today, I, I mentioned that we're talking about small businesses, which uh, probably gives people a little bit of a clue into what kind of law you specialize in. But there's probably some of our listeners today who may be tempted to change the station because they think, boy, small businesses, that doesn't apply to me at all. Why do I need to listen? There may even be a few listeners, though, that actually turn the volume up, trying to see if they can catch the attorney saying something wrong here. We'll, we'll see. But, um, but you know, I, I actually 
think that this topic is a really broad and applicable to more people than, than we may even realize. I, I recently read that there are 27 million small businesses in this country, and that number just keeps on growing. You know, we, we've all heard about all the corporate downsizings and whatnot, but that's just driving more business startups as people lose jobs and want to keep on uh, working and everything. But one of the cool things about small businesses, though, is that they make up two-thirds of all the new jobs in this country. So we're, we're absolutely big fans of trying to help small businesses be healthier. And I know that's a big part of what you do, Jamie. But I guess my first question, just to start pummeling you with, with questions today, is at what point does someone who's, you know, they've, they've got a small business, they maybe opened a, a business in their garage or their basement or, or something like that. At what point do they actually need to get an attorney? And, you know, is it a certain point in their life cycle? Are there certain industries that are, are more important? But who out there, if you're in small business of some kind, needs to actually have an attorney, in your opinion? Well, that's a good question. And, um, in, in, and the short answer, of course, as usual, is it depends. It depends. Um, yep. But uh, it's fair to say that uh, we can talk about this later. But uh, if you're forming a business, it makes sense to organize uh, an entity with the state, and we can we can talk about that. And you may be able to just do that by yourself, so you may not need an attorney involved at, at that point. But but in order to but assuming that you've done that and you're comfortable with where you're at time to get an attorney really is uh, when you have something to lose so in the initial stages of the business you're just trying to make money and survive and pay the bills get customers and you're focused on on building something and it may not make a lot of sense to spend a lot of money on professional fees when you're trying to figure out if this thing is going to work yeah great um, point. so so it's really a question of, okay, uh, now I've built something of value that I need to protect. Maybe I'm going to get a loan from, from a bank. And for small business loans, there's going to be a personal guarantee involved. You know, am I comfortable with that? Um, if I'm going to sign an agreement with um, a party that's going to be a big customer, uh, and there's going to be significant, um, it's going to be a big part of my business. Maybe I want to, I probably do want, I would recommend certainly as an attorney that you have an attorney look at that. And it can be, um, it can be the instruction to the attorney can be, hey, can I get a high level review here? Um, yeah. I, can't, I don't have a lot of money to spend. It makes your issue spot. Is there any really big problems here? Yeah. Um, so that's the sort of thing when, you know, and, 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 you, and you just want to make sure that your, your, your downside is protected as you build. Great point. Let's, let's I'm go. glad that you bring that up, actually, because one thing we didn't disclose at the beginning of the show is that Jamie actually is our corporate attorney at Corhorn Financial Group, and we've loved working with Jamie. But a lot of times we're coming to you with these what if type questions, right? It's, you know, what if this goes wrong? Should we be worried here? And I love the fact uh, that your your own demeanor is such that you're often just kind of calming our nerves, saying, hey, that's, that's not something that you need to worry about. We as financial advisors, I think we're pretty gifted at dreaming up things to worry about. Oh, yeah. And uh, Me I, I, I love the fact that we've got someone that we can go to uh, just to set us straight and tell us where do we need to be concerned and where do we not need to be. Well, I, I appreciate that, and and you know, clients uh, fall into the spectrum of uh, uh, folks who tend to be uh, good at issue spotting. We might say, uh, you might also say, you might be a little paranoid. Or uh, <laughs> he looked <laughs> that, at me. He looked at me when he said that. <laughs> um, and you might also, uh, and there might be some that uh, um, 
uh, you know, they're they're very positive, which is a great a great um, quality. But they may not see uh, issues. They may not see potential problems. And of course, we as attorneys, uh, a lot of my colleagues. Uh, uh, litigate, and uh, we see when things go wrong a lot, and it tends to be very expensive when things go wrong. So, you know, I think our role as attorneys is to um, is to put things in kind of a business risk context to business owners who are used to evaluating and taking uh, intelligent uh, business risks. So let's let's go a little bit down the line here. And you said you need an attorney when you've got something to lose, but now let's say you've built up your business. When do you start? working with folks on planning for contingencies like, well, what if something goes wrong, but also succession as in transferring that asset that they've built onto the next party. I mean, is that something you should do at the very beginning or do you have a recommendation there? Well, again, uh, I'm just going to punt on all these and just say it depends. Yeah. So (laughs) we can move on. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, Look, it it, it does sort of depend upon um, things like... uh, how close you are to retirement? What is your health situation? Um, uh, are there other, you know, you think about other key employees who you can bring into the business and have them feel invested in the business, have maybe some ownership stakes so that um, if and when it's time to transition, uh, you have an option there. Uh, does it make sense to uh, develop relationships with potential buyers, other folks in the business who may be? Uh, at some point, if you need a buyer, they yeah. may be a, a possible uh, uh, candidate. So it depends, but probably along the life cycle and certainly as you're getting closer to retirement. So, Okay, good stuff. We've got that. Plus, we're going to be hitting, so we've got more questions with Jamie, but we're also going to be diving deeper into some of the listener questions. And to me, we're going to be hitting, first off, probably the most common small business question that I get. Uh, That's coming up from Eric here. We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. I am Mike Bernard. Josh is with me in the studio. Kevin is out today. We've got special guest Jamie Haig, corporate attorney with Ledoux, Kern, and Keene joining us. We're talking about legal issues that you need to be aware of with your small business, whether you have one or want to start one someday in the future. Coming up, we're going to be hitting listener questions. If you have a question, comment, a complaint, whatever it is, we want to hear from you. Go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit your question there, comment, all of that. You can even check out past episodes or get more information on the show. Or give us a call, 574-222-2000. You can submit your question that way. Yeah, you know, Jamie, in our last segment, we were just talking about the reasons why someone needs to have an attorney. But... Uh, I'd imagine that one of the key roles that an attorney should play is to keep you from making big mistakes. So, it, what you know, in your experience, you've worked with a lot of a lot of different companies, a lot of businesses out there. Are there typical mistakes, or or maybe the biggest mistake that you would see most often that you would want our listeners to be aware of and hopefully avoid in their own life? 
Sure, yes. The um, uh, We talked a little bit about the life cycle of a business and getting attorneys uh, involved, particularly when there is something to lose. And uh, often we think of a business that's sort of starting up uh, from a shoestring budget and you're building. Um, you might have a situation where there's an owner who has contributed your real money to the enterprise. And it's important at that point, again, there's something to lose at that point. Um, it's important at that time, at that point, to uh, have an agreement among the owners of how this business is going to be run. If there's someone operating the business and someone not, the person who's operating the business, what salary can they take? Huh. Um, what business decisions uh, require the consent of all owners or a majority of the owners, and which can be made by the operator? Sort out those issues. What happens if uh, an owner dies or if there's a divorce? Can non, can folks who are not involved in the business participate in the business? Or should there be a buyout if that happens? Um, these agreements among owners, it might be at the beginning um, if someone is, in, is contributing cash, but it might be later on, a little bit later on. So there's a judgment call there, and when it makes sense, cost-benefit to... Um, to uh, document that agreement. But what we see is expensive disputes among owners on the litigation side. We want to avoid that. So, in other words, they didn't work out all those agreements up front, and so it becomes a battle more on the back end when something goes wrong. Exactly. And it becomes messy and expensive. What sort of agreement are you talking about? Are you talking about a buy-sell? Are you talking about an operating agreement? Use some legalese with us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. So, for a limited (laughs) liability company, it'd be an operating agreement um, that, that would probably have a buy-sell provision or provisions in it. If uh, depends on the um, sophistication, complexity of the buy-sell agreement and what all is involved, whether it makes sense for it to be a standalone agreement. But in terms of an LLC, it would be an operating agreement or perhaps standalone buy-sell. In terms of a corporation, it would be a separate buy-sell agreement. Yeah. So, Mike is the nerd in the room, and he you likes all the, the legalese and everything. But what I'm hearing you describe is basically like the rule book for how this business is going to be run. Is that a more of a layman's term? Is that what we would think of these agreements as? Exactly. And, you know, a lot of times folks go into business and they, um, they see the, uh, they're focused on the, on the business, outward facing, making money, and, and as they should be. Um, but and they sort of assume they wouldn't be going into business together if they if they didn't get along. So they figure, well, whatever comes up, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, just like uh, divorces and marriage, uh, there are business divorces, and uh, in a similar way, they can be um, ugly and expensive. And um, so it, it makes sense to take some time to talk to an attorney, kind of run through a checklist of the issues that they ought to be thinking about. And sometimes it's just an attorney giving some homework. Hey, guys, gals. Uh, discuss these issues, figure out where you're at, and depending on the dollar volume involved, you know, attorneys can do these things um, relatively inexpensively. I mean, if you're on a tight budget, it's, it's better to do something than mm-hmm. to not do anything um, and, and end up in a really uh, kind of um, uh, an expensive and bad place. But again, this sort of depends. If you're going to spend the money, you want to, you know, it makes sense kind of cost benefit to wait until you have something to lose. Yeah. But if someone's putting cash into the business, that's kind of the time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's interesting. And Jamie, you helped us walk through really that checklist of things to do as we were working with you on our own matters at KFG. And so that was very helpful. If you're, if I wanted you to use the legalese out there because I know that there are a lot of business owners listening, and I wanted to to have a quick 
I don't know, inventory of okay. Do you do you have this? Do you have right. a buy sell? Do you have an operating agreement? Go because, check your files. Right? Exactly because it's critically important. And if you don't have either the 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 knowledge or experience or wherewithal to to set you know to have those conversations yourself, have an attorney like Jamie come in and lead you through that. Right? I mean, you have checklists like that, and you walk through these exploratory conversations with business owners all the time. That's exactly right. You know, and if you have two folks who are in a business um, and, you know, if, if, if one w- was to die, um, what should the deal be? You know, yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Um, and, and again, a lot of times it's more important that there be an answer. Um, not necessarily even that it's the perfect answer, but that there's an answer to avoid a dispute, bad blood, which has, you know, human and emotional costs, as well as often, if it gets to litigation and lawyers, a, a financial costs. And um, those kind of business divorces can um, can destroy a business. I mean, yeah. folks end up kind of just going separate ways, licking their wounds, taking their losses, and, and moving on. And you want to avoid that. You want to protect what you've built. Well, so I, I have a quick quick story here. And Josh, maybe you've got a maybe a bad story or a big mistake. I have a close call mistake that I, I was talking to Josh about before. I thought I'd just share real quick. And it's a close call because it didn't really actually create any big lasting problems. But it's it's a business that our firm serves uh, in the area here. And it's two owners and they're actually family. And so that makes things tricky and complicated. There's a lot to talk through because you make assumptions with family. There's more emotions involved. And, uh, and they don't have a buy seller or anything. And they've really built the business up to something and what I would consider to be pretty substantial. And one of the owners had an accident about three years ago. His life will never be the same. Thankfully, he's still able to function mentally and somewhat physically in the business. And so the business has actually gone on to produce even greater and greater results, not because of this illness, but but basically the accident, how fortunate they were that the accident didn't cause any mental damage or something where he could no longer operate in his role as the business because they never had a buy-sell in place, never had anything figured out as far as, well, what do we do if something happens to one of us? Yeah, that's... Uh uh, you know, absolutely the case. Um, and again, things can often uh, roll o- along quite well as long as uh, everybody is operating the business. As soon as they're differently situated, um, where one is maybe not running the business, there might be questions of, well, the person who's running the business sort of feels like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the work. Uh, I need a salary. And, and perhaps my opinion about what's fair salary is different than the opinion of the person who's not involved and right. you know, what sort of expenses are being run through the business, things like that. And just quickly, I would mention that you know this issue also arises where um, an owner dies and the interests go to children. The shareholder agreement or operating agreement might not have in mind a number of an owner's who, some of who may be involved in the business and some of who may not be. It may sort of contemplate maybe just two owners or one owner uh, and who's in the business. And, and you know, you want to avoid fights among your heirs, obviously, for uh, all sorts of reasons, uh, financial and, and more importantly, probably uh, the emotional and family issues. Well, that's exactly right. When we were doing our own agreements, you know, when Mike and I were joining Kevin as shareholders in Corhorn Financial Group, we had to wrestle through those issues and we all agreed that we didn't want our surviving spouse to be a partner in the firm, right? Yep. And we've got legal uh, or, or regulatory restrictions in our particular industry that would prevent that anyway, but you're exactly right. It, whether it's one of your kids or a surviving spouse, are they going to be suddenly thrust into the business just because you passed away? That's why you need to have those conversations up front 
it deals with those unexpected contingencies before they ever happen. Eric's question is coming up. I told you it's the most common business legal question that I get, and that is, what type of entity should I form? We're going to hit that with Jamie coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. I am Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory is with me in the studio as well as Jamie Haig, special guest today, corporate attorney with Ledoux, Curran, and Keene. We are talking about all the legal issues related to having your own small business. So whether you've got one or you ever want to start one. I had a, had a meeting with a client this week where I asked him right away, hey, what's your biggest financial goal? He said, I want to start a business. So that's what we're talking about today with Jamie. It's been uh, really interesting thus far, but we're going to dive into some listener questions that deal with starting your own business or the legal issues. And if you have a question for the show, just remind you, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. So this first question I've said is the most common question that I get as it relates to having a small business and the, the legal matters at play here. It comes from Eric. He's 42. He lives in Edwardsburg. And he says, should I have my business set up as an LLC or something else? I've heard people talk about this before, but I've never really understood which one's best. Oh, my goodness. Who could? It's very confusing. Um, It says, right now, I'm not incorporated, so I'm wondering what I should do. So this is interesting. I mean, let's let's unpack this question a little bit. I mean, he's really asking, what are the types of entity structures or formation? How can I set up my business? Yeah, it it sounds like a pretty short question question, but it's actually packed with quite a bit of information more about what he didn't tell us. Yeah. You know, he, he says that he's not incorporated. He's asking about an LLC. So, I mean, by default, does that basically leave him or can we presume that he's a sole proprietor? He, he didn't mention a spouse or anybody that he's in a right. partnership, right? Right. But what what are the different options for how to structure a business? And, and again, I'll give you the same license that Mike did to use some jargon here. Yeah. Well, it, you know, Eric, it sounds like um, operates a business. Uh, he has not um, incorporated in any form. So he is, by default, under the law, sole proprietorship. And what that means is that uh, he has full personal liability for any obligations of the business. And uh, that's if uh, in, he's working in the, uh, in, the, in the operation of the business and someone uh, sues him for that, mm-hmm. they would have access or recourse to his car, his home, his his bank account. His personal assets. All of his yeah. personal assets. So there's and basically no separation between the business and his personal life then, legally. Exactly. Yep. Wow. Exactly. And, and, and it's kind of in under the connotation that this is a bad thing. But going back to what you said previously in the show, I mean, if you're just starting to get the business going, a lot of people start as sole proprietorships. Right. I mean, so so you're exposed, your personal assets are exposed, but a lot of people do start just trying to make money and all that as a sole proprietorship. And then maybe they evolve and have to make a tougher choice later, like 
Eric's trying to do right now. Yeah, they they do. Um, but we can. I think we can give them a short answer here that's going <laughs> to uh, hopefully um, be quick and easy and av- and avoid that issue. You don't want to be operating as a sole proprietorship, and uh, uh, you know if he's in business with one other person. Uh, it's a general partnership, and what that means is uh, there is joint and several liability. Each of them is fully liable for the actions of the other in the conduct of that business. So, if Eric had a business partner, and that business partner does something wrong, uh, the 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 creditor, if you will, can go after Eric and Eric's house and all of his personal assets as well. So, uh, a general <laughs> partnership is certainly wor- worse than a sole proprietorship. It raises a lot of eyebrows when you explain that. That not only am I potentially liable, that I could lose my own personal assets because I make a mistake, but if I have a business partner and he or she screws up. I could be liable. They they could come after my personal assets for their mistake as right. well. Perhaps right. Perhaps they go to the bank and uh, you know they're in some financial trouble, and they go to the bank and get a loan. Uh, well, and you know bad things happen, and well, you're liable for repayment of the loan, right? If it's in the capacity in the context of the business. Wow. Uh, but you know every, everybody ought to be organized, and if you don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, the short answer is at least go to the Indiana Secretary of State website and form an LLC yeah. and assign your business assets into that LLC. And that can really just be you know, a piece of paper where you're, you say that that's what you're doing. And if you have any business assets um, that are in your own personal name, you, know, you, can, you can move those over. Uh, you know, if you have a titled vehicle or something, mm-hmm. you know, change that to the name, you know, get a, uh, open a bank account. And and just you know, it doesn't change your ta- you, you you all can speak to this. Better. I was going to yes, <laughs> it, it doesn't change your tax. Uh, um, that is that's a misconception, isn't it? I, yeah. I hear people all the time thinking, oh, I need to go set up an LLC because then I'll get all these sweet tax write-offs, right? But it, it really doesn't do anything for you from a tax planning standpoint to be in an LLC as opposed to the sole proprietor. The the real issue here is trying to set. Uh, a, a fence around the business. Keep keep what happens in the business contained in the business, so it doesn't spill over into your personal life. Is that fair that's, to say? That's that's exactly right. And it's and it's cheap and easy to go to the Secretary of State's website and uh, f- complete the form online. It's pretty painless. Pay with a credit card. Look, it, you know, it, it's helpful to have s- someone walk you through the process, and, and it's worth it. Uh, but but if but if just doing it yourself is going to get it done, go get it done is, is the yeah. key. An LLC is limited liability corporation. Uh, oh, yeah, limited company. liability company. Company, thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah. So, and I yeah. was just going there, that's where my brain was going. So the next kind of stage, if you will, of taking your business uh, a little more seriously or filing is an S Corp, right? Which also has limited liability, but it's actually becoming a corporation. Is that right? Correct. So, under state law, you would... um, Look, there's limited liability partnerships and limited partnerships and things like this. But basically, um, uh, the choice would be a limited liability company or a corporation under state law. And uh, the designation of C corporation or S corporation refers to a federal tax treatment Mm -hmm. uh, where C corporations are taxed at the entity level and then any distributions to shareholders are then taxed to the shareholders. Whereas in S corporation, there is no entity tax. Um, The the taxes uh, paid by the uh, owners individually, pro rata, based on ownership. That's a misconception, too. An an example of that would be if you own stock in Microsoft, 
that's a C corp, right? Correct. A C corporation, which means if Microsoft makes a gazillion dollars this year, they're going to pay a boatload of taxes. And then if they send some of those profits out to the, the stockholders in the form of a dividend, those stockholders pay tax again. Yep. So there's a double taxation issue there, which you avoid that if you use this S corp option you're saying, right? Correct. For both LLCs and for S corporations. And LLCs can also elect S corporation tax status. Right. But basically, that for, for both of those entities, the reason we're talking about them and recommending them is because you don't have that extra level of uh, entity level taxation. And for small businesses, they ought to be one or the other. And uh, consult just your flat out. Don't do the sole proprietorship or the uh, general partnership. Is what I'm hearing you say. Correct. Form w- an LLC is going to be probably the default. If you don't want to talk to anyone and go through any analysis, um, uh-huh. uh, that's likely going to be the right re- uh, answer for you. But then you got to consider the tax issues of it because the sole proprietor on all the profits that you make, you're going to be paying self-employment tax on that. Same as an LLC. If you're just if you're not choosing to be. F- to pay taxes as a corporation. Right. But if you are an LLC and choose to be taxed as a corp, or if you start an S corp, there could be some tax advantages, but there's also some trade-offs with that. There's some additional costs because there's an extra tax return you have to file. There's some other filings. You got to pay FICA. You got to pay yourself a wage, a, a quote unquote reasonable wage, and you got to pay on that. What's that smart for, Josh? That's, I'm just I'm picturing being... drivers all over Michiana driving into ditches right now yes. because <laughs> their heads are spinning. And <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to. <laughs> so, so basically, Jamie gave the legal answer for you, Eric. But there's also a big tax component here too. So, so you need to be talking with an advisor, an attorney, probably your CPA as well. Absolutely. And, you know, if you, again, if you're making $40,000 a year and you don't want to spend a lot of money on on, uh, on fees, uh, just form an LLC online and assign your assets to that. But if you're, if you're uh, making good money and, um, and you have something to protect, certainly you ought to have uh, at least some brief conversations about these issues and you may save uh, money on taxes. Okay. Well, one quick question. Hopefully, we can squeeze this in before break. One of the applications that we often see for an LLC is when you have rental properties. You want to say a word or two about that? Like, why, why would someone consider setting up an LLC when they might not even think of themselves as a true business? It's just, hey, I've got this rental property. Is it the same story? Is it, is it still just a the purpose is liability protection? Right. I mean, you have, you have an LLC that owns property. Um, you're going to have insurance on the property. And that insurance is risk mitigation and protect your asset. But another level of protection, of course, is the LLC. So if something tragic happens on the property, um, if it's owned through an LLC, uh, the creditor can can get the get the equity in the property, uh, but they can't get all of your personal assets. Right. And right. if they find out there's some environmental catastrophe on the property, same same issue. They can, Gosh, they spoke, can take the property. You spoke as if you've dealt with that before. Yikes. Anyway. Okay, guys. Uh, Jennifer's question is coming up next. We're going to be talking about uh, what you need to consider if you're going to buy a business or buy someone else out or start a franchise, something like that. So that and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. And my name is Mike. I'm with Josh. And Kevin is gone today. He's actually going to be out the next few weeks. On, he's got a mission trip that he's doing in Liberia. He was at a conference today. So, uh, But exciting stuff for him and exciting for us because we get uh, an upgrade. That's right. So t- today's definitely been an upgrade. Special guest, Jamie Haig, business attorney. With Kevin's the, not going to listen to this, is he? No. no. He never okay, listens. Good. He's barely <laughs> present when we're talking. Exactly. He doesn't <laughs> listen while we're in the studio. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, all right. Jamie's a corporate attorney with Ledoux, Kern, and Keene. We've been tackling all of your small business questions, your small business legal questions, that is. Just had a great one from Eric in Edwardsburg about what type, well, I felt it was a great question. We might have lost a bunch of people. It got kind of technical. But most people, when they're starting a business or buying a business, they have the question of, well, how should this thing be structured? How's it going to be taxed? And so that's what we hit last time. If you missed anything want to check out previous episodes, go to wisemoneyradio.com, and uh, you can get a link to the podcast there. You can submit your own question. You can also leave a question on the voicemail, 574-222-2000. Okay, Jennifer's question is up next. I just mentioned, uh, you know, if you're buying a business, you've got to consider what entity structure. Well, that's Jennifer's question here. She's from Alcart. She says, my husband and I have owned and operated a small business in the RV industry for years. Uh, We've just started discussions with another business in our area about buying them out. We've been competitors for a long time, but he's a few years older than we are, and he's looking to transition to retirement. Probably a common issue, especially in RV. Things are so hot right now. I bet some people are saying, I want to cash out here. So what should we be considering, and what would you suggest for us? Thanks. That's an interesting scenario there, and I, I feel like I'm seeing that more and more, and, and maybe it's because the baby boomers are approaching retirement, just like uh, Jennifer's competitor here. But um, I, I've seen a handful of people recently that are turning not to a competitor across town or something, but to a key employee within the business. Yeah. And I, I think that's worth just pointing out to all of our listeners, because even if you're not a small business owner today, you may be a key employee within a business, and you may be a candidate to be the buyer someday of, of that business. Good and point. so the question is, are you doing anything right now to put yourself in a financially strong position so that you actually are an option for the current owner? And if you are the current owner yourself, are you investing in a key employee to make sure that they're capable and you know qualified to be able to take over a business? So, you know, I, I feel like this issue alone, the fact that business owners aren't going to own their business forever, makes this more of a universal topic that really all of our listeners need to be paying attention to. You've just brought it home. That is wise advice <laughs> on wise money here. So, Jamie, how would you start this? I mean, what's the first step if you're thinking about buying a business? Well, if you're um, so the a lot of the uh, uh, issues uh, are similar for buyers and sellers, a little bit different. So we're gonna, if we're starting on the buy side, um, well, a seller is going to want a non-disclosure agreement uh, to protect the confidentiality of the information if they're competitors. Oh, I, pres- I presume. Good point. Good point. I presume. Um, uh, and you do that right up front before you really start talking about anything, sharing ideas, secrets, whatever. How the sauce is made, you get some 
confidentiality. Yes. Yeah, you want to have that. You want to have that up front. Yeah. And uh, even even once you have it, um, as a seller, you may not want to disclose everything. I mean, you might not want to disclose all of your pricing to the competitor. To the to the common customer, for example, um, if you have, you might want to kind of uh, redact or anonymize certain uh, customer or vendor uh, items in the in the financials, for example. That was not authorized jargon, by the way. So, <laughs> I, I think we're tracking with you. I think we're tracking with you. So, you so basically, protect, to, even beyond a non-disclosure agreement, you still want to protect uh, your, your your very confidential information. So you tell them about the demographics of your customers or something like that. You don't give them names and phone numbers and things like that. Well, right. Depends on yeah. If we're if we're both selling widgets. That's a technical jargon. If we're both selling go. widgets <laughs> to the same buyer, you may not disclose the uh, actual agreement and pricing because if the uh, agreement isn't consummated, that can be a competitive advantage to the uh, sure. per, you know, prospective uh, buyer. But but getting back to the specific question, um, you know, you want to make sure you have all the financials uh, and tax returns, and 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 that's really it's going to start, I think, with with the financial advisors like yourselves to. Take a look at those things and sort of evaluate what would be um, you know, a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. That that issue of valuation, I think, is one that I, one of the mistakes I see a lot of potential buyers make is they try to shortcut that that issue of arriving at a fair price. And you know, maybe taking the the seller's word for it. Oh yeah, this thing's worth a hundred grand. It hasn't made a profit in the past four years, but trust me, it will next year. Um, you know th- those types of issues. At what point do you get an expert? You know, maybe a CPA who specializes in business valuations. When do you get that person involved? You know, I, I think you um, depends on how comfortable you feel as a buyer of, of uh, evaluating financial statements and and looking at the issues. Um, uh, but I would say. You know, right away, unless you feel really comfortable, you right away get someone involved and and looking at that. Uh, that's really the threshold issue, you know. So if if, if the company that's being sold says, "Well, we have a uh, hundred thousand dollars in profits every year, and you know we want uh, you know five times our annual profits, we want five hundred thousand for this business," and someone looks at it and says, "Well, uh, the profits actually the owner didn't pay him or herself any any salary, so." If you figure one hundred thousand dollars is a reasonable salary, this doesn't have any profits, right? right. right? If you're if you're required to work full time in the business, you're not making anything. Yeah. Uh, or if you hire uh, someone else to run it and you pay them one hundred thousand, um, so in that scenario, you would be uh, as an owner yielding zero in profits and paid five hundred thousand dollars for the privilege. So, you know, <laughs> get your get your financial advisor involved up front, and that's really the threshold issue. And then then also talk about other. Kind of large issues in terms of is it going to be real estate? You know, have have a real estate person then then kind of help you with the value there, or if it's going to be a lease of real estate that perhaps that business owner or its affiliate owns. Uh, you know, you can kind of come to kind of a, a number on that, but the financial piece uh, really kind of comes before the um, the legal documentation. But what, and then once you get that kind of basic terms, including price. If there's going to be a tra- transition services or employment uh, kind of ongoing post closing you know, employment services by the seller, kind of some of those high level points, you know, get it documented by an attorney in a l- non binding letter of intent. Really, the the non disclosure provisions would be binding and enforceable. The rest would just be documenting what's really a handshake deal that wouldn't be enforceable. But it makes sure that everybody's on the same page with respect to the main 
business points that are being agreed upon. And you get that down before you spend a lot of money on a lawyer to prepare you know, the documents that would um, reflect the deal. Yeah. You, know, you were mentioning there the scenario where maybe the seller is going to stay on after the sale and maybe serve as a consultant or maybe they'll become your employee or whatever. And that could be an invaluable service or it could be a source of all kinds of headaches. I remember uh, you know, years ago, we actually bought out another financial advisor. He wanted to transition into retirement and he, he wanted to do that slowly over the course of several years. And I'll never forget the day that I showed up with a plain paper fax machine to replace his old wax paper spool fax machine. And he was visibly angry with me for actually upgrading his technology there. And I remember him kind of chewing me out a little bit, saying, the old fax machine was just fine. What are you doing here? I've actually I read an article recently about someone who helps with these sorts of transactions. And he said he's seen 90% of deals fall flat on the table because, not because of the financial stuff, but the softer stuff. Yeah. And so airing that out, and like you said, it'd be a non-binding document, but air it out. What is the deal? And so everyone knows what's going on. That's absolutely right. And, and that's a great point about staying on after. I mean, I, I've had clients who say, look, I know myself. Um, I, I'm not really going to like uh, being uh, working for somebody else in what was been my business. Uh, you know, um, So I just want a clean break. I'm going to be out. Or uh, I have a clean break. I'm going to be out. Um, but I can be available on a, a kind of consulting business uh, basis. But in this particular example for um, with Jennifer, if it's a relationship business uh, and the seller has really important relationships with customers, um, in order to preserve the value of that customer relationship, uh, you know, having that owner stay on, if you think it's going to be a good personality fit, uh, it, it might be key to preserving the value of the business that you want as a buyer and that the seller is probably going to want to get paid for. Yeah, that's good stuff. Jamie, thanks for being on the show today. And so how do people get a hold of you? If they're listening and they, I mean, what's what's the, Ledoux, Kern, and Keen is a sponsor in the show. So lck-law.com. Uh, is there office line to get a hold of you? Well, there is. Uh, I don't normally <laughs> don't give that out. Okay. Right? No, I'm just so, kidding. <laughs> No, the uh, our, our main number is five seven four nine six eight zero seven six zero. All right. So thanks, Jamie, for being on the show on behalf of him and all of us at KFG. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard, and we'll see you next week, next Saturday here on ninety five three Michiana's News Channel. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.